Hey folks, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, March 12, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. I'm going to put on a little tiny twist tonight and I'm going to try and get inside your head You'll be inside mine too, but I'm going to make you think a little bit about both sides of the market. We're going to look at a lot of different charts. We're going to discuss everything that comes into view, and we'll make a decision on what the highest probability thing that should happen next is. Let's start right out of the gate with today's close. Is today's close a positive close or a negative close? Well, of course, it's a positive close. We closed above yesterday's high. We had the bottom that was put in on Friday, the reversal day. We had a tremendous up day yesterday, and we had a follow-through day today with a higher close. So there's two sides to the coin. A, it's bullish. B, the market is extended since Friday, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to pull back a little bit, but that does not preclude bullish behavior. Keep in mind, This is options expiration week, and therefore, tomorrow being Wednesday, is also known as Whipsaw Wednesday. That's not my term. That's a term that's been around for a long, long time. Since markets go up, markets go down, let's take a look at an hourly chart, and let's just get a sense of where we are from an hourly chart perspective, from an intraday to -to day-to-day perspective. The hourly chart looks pretty good. We're above all the moving averages. We're really just going sideways, eating some time off the clock. However, there's a very noticeable gap down below. You should have already seen that gap. That's the first thing that your eye and my eye should be trained on to see on this particular chart. The first thing, the second thing, they're interchangeable. You see the market going sideways and you see the gap right below it where the 100 period moving average also comes into vision. So here's the point that I want to bring out. Can the market drop, fill that gap, and still stay bullish? And the answer is, of course it can. What are we looking at if that takes place? About a 12-point drop in the S&P E-mini futures contract, give or take. About a dollar and a quarter, give or take, in the SPY. It's not that big of a deal, although it will get people immediately bearish if that happened right out of the gate. Why is that? Because people are thinking the market isn't where it should be. They're thinking it's going to collapse. They're thinking it's too high. We have to pull back. Not everybody's thinking that, but there certainly is enough of a contingent out there that believes that the market is at lofty levels once again, and it really is, but who's to say? Price is an absolute. All we're doing is looking at the current state of the market, where it is on the chart, and making a determination, A, is it bullish or bearish? B, from a shorter-term perspective, What are the charts telling us where the next logical move is going to be on the north or the south side? And C, where is the likely support or resistance of that move? That's it. After that takes place, we reset and look for the next move in either direction to the next logical support or resistance area. Case in point, last week, I was looking to the next logical area of support for my taste, what I was willing to trade on the long side at the time at 271.20. 
We came up short. Look where we are now. 279.49 on close. That's about 80 plus S&P handles. And remember what I said the other day. I said by Tuesday afternoon, everybody will forget that the market was down last week. Now we're at a pretty interesting area. We kind of probed into, we spiked into a little bit, the area of that reversal, non-reversal candle from the 4th of March. That's this candle here. So we called it a non-reversal. Some others called it a reversal. Now we're back up into the area of where that took place, where that supposed reversal or non-reversal took place. Turned out to be a reversal. The market certainly went down from there. And then we had another reversal. And now we're right back where we started from. So if you just did this, if you drew a line and said we went up and then we went sideways and you took away the fact that we went down last week, we're right where we were continuing to go sideways. So I think, I believe right here, right now, we're at a make it or break it price level for the SPY. I would have to give the market some leniency on the downside to run down and fill the gap if it so choose to do so. But at the same time, on the bullish side of the ledger, if we remain up in this area and remain closing up here daily, we're likely going to push higher. We're likely going to close above the high from March 4th, and that'll be it. That will be the liftoff point that should send the market on a journey trying to get to the next breakdown candle high. The next breakdown candle high comes in at 286.91. We'll call it 287. They could get all the way up to 290. So somewhere in that neighborhood. We're far from there now. We're nowhere near that happening just yet. We have a lot of work to do on the upside, but it is possible. There will be buyers that step into the equation on a close above the high from March 4th. Remember what's in between those numbers, the high from March 4th and where we are now. Remember the 280.40? That's the high of this breakdown candle from the weekly chart. 280.40. That's the spot. 280.40, I think that's the spark spot. You begin closing hourly above 280.40, and I think that's all she wrote. I think the market goes higher from there. And that's the bullish side of the ledger. Doesn't tell you exactly how we got there, but that's the bullish side of the ledger. Let's look at some other charts so we can all see exactly how we got there, how we're getting there, and what will keep us there, and what turns us in the other direction. Here's a 120-minute chart. So it's really the hourly chart times two. I don't mean to be Captain Obvious, but I want to point out that it's the same gap down below. And on the 120-minute chart, it's the 50-period moving average. So we can say this. If they go down and fill the gap and start closing hourly and then a two-hour close below this 50-period moving average, I would say that's a fumble for the bulls. The Bears pick up the ball, and the bull case has to be on hold until and unless they recapture this 50-period moving average on the 120-minute chart. So that gives you something to hang your hat on from an in-between perspective. 180-minute chart, same deal. It's just a different-looking chart. But I'll point something else out that we haven't discussed. So what we did was, and what we always say is, markets like to come back 
and test former breakdown and former breakout areas. Now, there can be several breakdowns, several breakout areas that we can identify on many different charts. But here's one that I think is important. So the market broke down with this big breakdown candle, and then we had put in what I'll call a bearish wedge pattern, whatever it is, and the market broke down again. Then we rallied back and we're right back to that last breakdown point. Now, we've closed above this breakdown candle, this one right here. We've closed above that already, but we're hanging out up in this area. I think that's a sign for the bull case. I think it's a positive sign because the market was not rejected in this area. It was not rejected when we went back up to retest the breakdown area. Instead, we're eating time off the clock, building some energy, what looks like to me, to retest another breakdown area, which would be the top of the breakdown candle high, which is 281.87. Now, not all in one gulp, but these are different charts. I'm pointing out different things, and this is how we put it all together. And of course, you see in between what number we just discussed, 280.40. It's standing in the way. Before I forget, let me first thank everybody for participating, making comments and posts underneath the video each and every night. I love the interaction. I love the banter back and forth. In addition, please hit the thumbs up button on the video if you think the content is thumbs up worthy. Then go ahead and share the video with anybody you think can benefit from this information. Back to the show. Bear case, 180 minute chart. Same as we just discussed on the 120-minute chart. You fill the gap, and it doesn't hold, and we start trading through to the south side of the gap. That's a negative for the markets. That's not what the bulls want to see happen. Let's change it up a little bit and start looking at and discussing the IWM. Now, I noticed something very interesting today in the IWM. So the IWM was A, weaker than the S&P 500 all day, but in particular, this morning, the IWM was down, and then all of a sudden, it rallied, rally hard, everything rallied along with it, but the IWM finished around the flat line. Now, it's better than being down, but it's still relative weakness. It has to be a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's on the bearish side of the ledger. Let me throw something else out there. What happens if... The IWM is not even able to get back to the 20-period moving average right around 155.5 or so. That would be really, really weak in terms of a display for the IWM. So that's something that we have to keep in mind. That's definitely on the bearish side of the ledger. The underperformance today in the IWM has to be a puzzle piece. It's on the table. But wait, there's more. What about the hourly chart of the IWM? What does it look like? It doesn't look so bad, does it? It looks like it's riding the 50-period moving average, looks like it's building energy, eating time off the clock for another push higher, maybe even into the 100-period moving average, also magically the 155.70 that was already on the chart. Now that would put it into its daily chart 20 period moving average we just discussed. There's no guarantees this will happen. The daily chart and underperformance today tell one story 
and the hourly chart could be telling something else. So what we have to watch for is the open tomorrow. If we open weak and these bullish patterns get broken apart, something else may be unfolding and the bears may take the ball and start running downfield. So a lot is going to be dependent on the open. We close them well, but again, it will also depend on the open. It always depends on the close, but how we trade them tomorrow will certainly depend on the opening print. What do we have over in the transportation department? This is my second favorite market leading indicator. It had a really, really big update along with everything else yesterday. And it was down today while everything else mainly was up. Now, not everything was up. The Dow was down, but that was an anomaly because of Boeing. Boeing got killed again, and that accounts for a big portion in points of the Dow. So that's why we look at the S&P. So the S&P was up about a third of a percent, eight points. That's a better representation of the marketplace. But when we look under the hood, one of our favorite market leading indicators are the transports. And with the transports being down today, showing relative weakness, it's another potential canary in the coal mine. It's a little early to tell. When we had the type of day we had yesterday and the day before, it's not uncharacteristic to have it shave off a few points. One half of 1% doesn't make a market, doesn't make a trend. We're going to give it another day or so. If it has to be a puzzle piece, it's a small one. We can put it on the table. But after yesterday, we have to say that the bogey has to be yesterday's low. Any daily close, even hourly closes below yesterday's low, something else is developing, not the bull case, but on the bearish side of the ledger. And for the transport, since we're discussing it as a just-in-caser, if that did happen, where is the next logical area of support for the transports? 9850, yeah, so if this fails, there's a lot of room to the downside. That would look ugly across all markets. I'm not saying it will. I'm just suggesting we have to look at both sides of the equation. So while we had the transports up on the screen, I kind of saw it out of the corner of my eye where the support would logically be, and it's worth discussing it. We have to always know and look at both sides of the market. What about the hourly chart of the transports? Does it look the same as the hourly chart of the IWM? No, it doesn't. While it's above the 50-period moving average, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't look as healthy. It doesn't look like it wants to take off to the upside. I don't see the same thing. The first thing that my eye is drawn to is that it's pointing toward and from a symmetrical standpoint, and this is something that's discussed in detail in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, looks like it wants to get down to the 20-period moving average on the hourly chart, bringing it down to about 10,200. It's not that big of a deal. It's about another day or a little bit more as we had today on the downside. But nevertheless, that's what the chart is telling me from an hourly chart perspective. Heading out over to Silicon Valley and looking at the queues, we see something a little bit different. This is the reason why we look at all charts independent of one another. 
We see what we see on the charts. That's why they're all independent puzzle pieces. We put them on the table, and then we make an assessment after the fact. So when we look at the chart of the cues, what do we see? We see nothing except bullish behavior. We did not close higher than the high that was made on the 4th. That high is 175.79. We closed at 179.69. What was the high today? The high print was 176.14, so we did bust through making a new high, falling back a little bit. But that's not really a rejection. That's just a spike through, a test, and not closing at a new high. They could have if they wanted to. We all know that. Missing by 10 cents is not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's what they decided to do. What does this hourly chart look like? It looks like the hourly chart of the IWM. So here we have growth stock indexes, IWM, triple Qs, grinding their way higher. Then we look over at the transports and we see a slightly different picture. And then we have in the back of our mind that the transports are typically a canary in the coal mine. So I always have that in the back of my mind. So maybe it's a bigger puzzle piece. Maybe it's not, but it's certainly a puzzle piece. It's on the table. And what that puzzle piece is, is the divergence between the transports and the Qs and the Spider and the IWM. It's the divergence that's taking place. It's the divergence between the IWM and the Spider. So there are divergences. These are my favorite market leading indicators for a reason. These are puzzle pieces. They're on the table. Just looking at the Qs independent of everything else, there's nothing wrong with this chart. Is it far extended from home base on the hourly chart even? All these moving averages, yeah, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for us to eat some time off the clock and come down toward these moving averages or let the moving averages come up toward price. There's nothing wrong with that. That's normal garden variety market behavior. Other than by a few pennies here and there or a few tenths of percentage points here and there, have you yet to see anything that's a real big divergence, anything that's a real red flag waving back and forth in the wind saying, caution, or I guess that's a white flag? The short answer is, not so much. A couple of divergences here and there, that can be corrected. We always have to be mindful of that. When I look at a chart like this on the cues, unless something happens where we have an immediate flip around, this is telling us that this has had a launch pad. This is going higher. There are higher prices coming. That's what the cues are telling us. It's similar to a couple of other areas. So the market came up to here, and then we went down, and everybody gets bearish real quick. And then the market comes back again. So this was a launch pad. We went to higher prices. We did it again. Another launch pad, higher prices. So we had a little tiny pullback, higher prices. Another pullback, higher prices. The question is, are we done or do we bust through? And if we bust through, there will be another wave of buying ensue. 
That goes for the Qs. It goes for the SPY or the S&P 500. It goes across the board. What do we see when we look down in the financial district? Well, we see that the 20-period moving average so far is resistance. So we see a couple of things. Bearish side, bullish side. A, the 20-period moving average is resistance, and we've really only retraced about half of the move from the last time we made a high to Friday's low. So it doesn't look like the Qs. It doesn't look like some of the other markets. So can it be a canary in the coal mine? It can be. We'll need participation in the financial sector to get all the other sectors and a broad-based rally going if we're going to take the next leg higher. Now, the financials are not telling us they're falling apart, but they're not telling us they're leading the market higher either. This is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. We're going to need this one later. And when I mention that, some traders will be scratching their heads and saying, well, what does he mean by that? And here's what I mean. There's going to be a correction. The question is, from what price and when does it start? So that's why I like to look at each chart each day, independent of everything else. That's why sometimes I fight the bears when it's bullish and I fight the bulls when it's bearish. I'm just trying to identify the current trend and keep you on the correct side of the market. My intention is not to fight the market. I'll fight you, but I'm not going to fight the market. So what the financials are telling us is that the financials are not leading the market higher. We have to take note of that. That's a puzzle piece. That's on the table. Hourly chart of the XLF, not so bad. Nothing wrong here. If they go down and fill the gap, that would be a big decline from where we are in the XLF. So that would mean that markets across the board are likely selling pretty hard. But as far as the hourly chart goes, nothing materially wrong with this chart. Daily chart, until and unless the XLF plays catch-up and makes new highs above the highs from the 1st and the 4th of March, until and unless that happens, this is a sign of weakness. This is relative weakness. How about the SMH, the proxy for the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index? So we have a breakdown candle high, and we were not able to close above the high of that breakdown candle high. 103.70, we closed at 103.61. Is that an accident or a coincidence? I think not. However, on the daily chart, is there really technically anything wrong with this chart? We're above all the moving averages. We put in one heck of a low on Friday. So the fact that they couldn't close above it today doesn't mean that they can't do it tomorrow, the following day, or any subsequent day. I'm going to take a detour for a second and discuss some stuff inside the numbers. There were some trades today that I know traders want me to discuss, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. First, we might as well look at the pre-market morning notes. Basically, in a nutshell, what I was saying here is the futures went up to test the big fat round number of 2800 in the overnight session. They weren't there long. Likely, they're going to do it again, and if you're going to ride it up there, it would be a good idea to take some profit while you're there. Just so you can see a little bit, I'll scroll up and you can see the lower portion, the bogey for this morning, ES2790. I didn't want to see the market below that to keep the bull case intact. They came close in the second 10-minute candle of the day and then didn't really get down there again until later on in the session. 
And then we always have a midday update and midday markets remain strong, quiet, and good looking. They likely hang around the big fat round number of 2,800, a little above, a little below. And that's pretty much what happened throughout the remainder of the day. Now let's take a look at some of the trades that hit their target prices this morning. So we had a morning gap trade, Dick's Sporting Goods, that hit it. We'll take a look at the chart on Dick's. And we also had, under the stocks on the move section, two stocks that hit their price targets, UNFI and WTW. We'll take a look at the charts of those stocks as well real quick. You can see the index important numbers if you want to take a snapshot, see if it's something that you think can be important to you during the trading day. Go ahead and write down the numbers, put the lines on your chart and see for yourself what the validity of these important numbers is. So let's take a look at Dix. It was a morning gap trade this morning and it was an interesting one because it did a little dance early this morning. The identified target was 35.28. Traders that have taken the course at Lazy Gap Trader understand that the fact that this stock came down in the first candle of the day, look where it closed yesterday, all the way up around 39, was getting smoked at the open. So we came about 50 cents away and we had a tremendous rally away from that number. So what that really does is it changes the trade at 35.28. Doesn't mean it can't work. It just means that you as a trader may be taking on a different kind of risk. It's something that I discuss in detail in the course at Lazy Gap Trader. And you can see it actually worked anyway. Either way, it worked. So after a few minutes of hanging around, down around the $35, $35.28 level, the high made after that was $36.10. So it certainly gave you more than the minimum profit target expected. We also had a second and a third target. The second target was $33.96. The low made in this candle happened to be $34.10. So that missed it by just about... 14 cents that could have produced a second trade it would have likely produced a second trade this one was from stocks on the move unfi so you can see the stock closed above 1460 about 1470 yesterday getting its haircut at the open identified a level in the pre-market and this all comes out before nine o'clock in the morning eastern standard time it's already posted for members to log in and see 1365 was the number that was identified and you can see what happened as soon as the market or UNFI came into 1365 went through it by a few pennies had a rocket ride higher from that price just to magnify the details a little bit you'll see we came into that price in the second minute of the day and by 9:40 a.m. the stock made a high of $14.44 that's quite the rally on a $13 or $14 stock in a few minutes. This goes in the destination conversation. Every stock, every chart, every market is always headed to a destination. With the stocks on the move or the gap trades in the morning, what we're trying to do is identify the destination where the likely scenario is the stocks get to the destination and then turn around and go back the other way that produces a trading opportunity. Another one from Stocks on the Move was Weight Watchers, WTW. The number identified the target on the list was $19.35.
you can see what happened here. The stock closed yesterday at 1993. So it wasn't that far away, but it was on the move. It was a good enough price level, and the stock was on the move where I put it on the list, and look what happened. 1935 came through it by just a little bit. The stock took a rocket ride to the upside, and then by 12.30 in the afternoon, the stock makes a high of $20.46, up a dollar on a $19 or $20 stock. That's a tremendous day trade. It was headed to a destination, and then it went in the other direction. That's the expectation. Doesn't work every time, but it works a lot of the time. How about gold? Gold is still going according to plan. We've been going back and forth between the GLD and the actual gold futures chart. This is the chart of GLD. You can see we're into the 50-period moving average. Chart is doing precisely what it was supposed to do. This one was right out of the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. No two ways about it. There were multiple reasons why this trade was taken. And it was taken down there. Not suggesting anybody jump on board here, just pointing out where the trade was taken for inside the number members. This was a swing trade, not a day trade. Crude oil remains bullish. Crude wants to push higher. It wants to get to the big fat round number of 60. How it does it, nobody knows. Will it do it in one bite? I doubt it, but it wants to get to $59.60. That's where it's headed. It may take a while to get there. If we get a lift in the market, that will likely pull crude oil or vice versa along with it, but it could banter back and forth for a while. The chart is bullish. It's in an uptrend. There's nothing wrong with crude oil. And that's where I'm going to leave it here tonight, folks. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.